Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Well, good morning. How is everybody? I just about lost it during that song service. I'm just going to go ahead and be honest. I just about couldn't take it anymore. He is alive. Amen. He is alive. This is a great looking crowd. Matter of fact, why don't you turn to the person on your right and just tell them how great they look this morning. Could you do that? Now, in case you didn't have anybody on your left to tell you that, maybe turn to the person on your left too and just make sure. We don't want to leave anybody out. Fantastic. If you would, take your handouts and be ready to take some notes on there. And if you've got one of these, get that out. This book will change your life. Am I telling the truth? This book right here will absolutely take what you thought was straight up and turn it upside down. It'll take what you thought was left and make it right. Oh, I like that. We should write that down. It'll take what you thought was right and make it left. It's just every time I read something in here, it's like it smacks me right in the head. And you can tell I've been smacking my head, right? It is a life changer. Go to the book of Matthew. That's where I want to start. Get your hand out ready. We have been walking through for the the month of, uh, what month are we in? May? April? April. We've been walking through our study called Our Story. And many of you have been with us, and I'm glad that you've caught up with that. If you haven't, no problem. Don't stress. You're not going to be lost this morning. You can go back on our website, connectionchurch.church, and catch up with the first two weeks that you missed. But we're talking about our story. Say that with me. Our story. But it's also God's story. And that's what I love about it is we're intertwined, are we not? If you're in the body of Christ, if you're a believer, if you're following Jesus, then his story is your story. And likewise, your story is his story. And so we've been walking through that, and in week one of our our study on our story, we talked about the beginning. How did our story get started and how did God's story with us get started? And we looked at the book of Genesis right at the beginning where the first, very first words in the Bible are, in the beginning, some of you have heard that before, that's good. In the beginning, God created, he did the creating. Have you ever thought about that? We didn't do anything. We were dirt. He did the creating, and we talked about how not only did God's story with us start there as he created Adam from dust and woman from the rib of Adam's side, but he breathed, I love this part, he breathed his breath into dirt, and man, us, came to life. That's amazing right there. And that's what we talked about in week one, and that's where our story started. We've all got a common relative. Isn't that cool? And his name was Adam, and her name was Eve. Those are our peeps, right? Tell the person next to you, those are my peeps. Adam and Eve, those are our peeps. So we're all family here this morning, so take a deep breath. It's okay. Even if you've never been here before, you're family, right? We'll all go to Olive Garden after this, and it's going to be okay. So the beginning of that was when he breathed life into people. And I, I had to go back because I wasn't here that Sunday and watch the podcast from week one. And what Pastor Robert said that just stuck in my head was that we are image bearers. Anybody remember that? I'm an image bearer. That means when people look at me, who are they supposed to see? That was a real question. They're supposed to see him. They're supposed to see God. They're supposed to see Jesus. They're supposed to see the qualities and the attributes of God the Father and Jesus the Son in me. I'm an image bearer. And last week in week two of this study, we went a little bit further into the book of Genesis and ended up there in chapter three, I believe it was. And there was a fatal flaw that happened. There was an occurrence. Do you remember what it was? It was sin. Adam, Eve, they partook of the one thing God told them not to do. They were living in paradise. They only had one rule. 
Have you ever told your kids that? You only have one rule and you broke it. Thanks a lot. They had one job, and that was to not eat of that tree, and they did it anyway, and sin entered the human race. Say, thanks a lot, Adam. You say, I thought it was Eve. No, Adam should have said no too. And so they, in, in that story, the fatal twist and the, the sin of our story comes in, and we talked about how we're supposed to deal with sin in our lives, and, and many of you had your life changed last Sunday because you realized there were some areas in your life that desperately needed a touch from God, and you've been working on that, and I applaud you for that. Today we want to talk about, on this Resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, a hero. A hero that rises from the ashes. And we all like a good hero story, don't we? Yesterday we had an Easter egg hunt slash outreach over at Flowers Court, and I had a group of kids around me, and I asked them, who are your heroes? Tell me who they are. And they named superheroes. Nothing wrong with that. I thought it was great. They named Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and some other woman and some other people, and they were all superheroes. And those were great. And I talked about how wonderful it was that there are people in, in the fictional world, and I explained to them that superheroes are fictional cre creatures and creations of people, but Heroes are real people. You can touch them. You can feel them. They're, they're real flesh and blood people who do great things that we can't do for ourselves. Well, if I went around the room by section, which I won't do, but I could, and said, can name me a hero here and here and here, you all would probably say firemen and policemen and EMS workers and teachers. I think teachers are heroes. And you would name people that are tangible. You can touch them. You can feel them. They would bleed if you cut them. Those are heroes. And that's what we want to look at this morning is the hero that appeared on the scene to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. You see, the, the whole entire Bible is a picture of success, success and failure, right? If we go back to Genesis where we were last week and we start from there and we start flipping this direction and we go through Exodus and uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all these things and some of you say, well, I don't know, I, don't, I really can't get into that. But if you did, let's just say you did. Let's say you just read those pages and you saw the story unfold in front of you. You do know this is a story that unfolds, right? Right? You, you do know that this is a picture of who Jesus is that unfolds in the pages of this book, right? And so as you flip through, you see a story of people who are triumphant. Oh, I know what let's do. Let's go back a couple of weeks. Some of you were with us. Uh, most of you were with us when we went through the book of Nehemiah. And they had just at the end of that, what? They had celebrated the success. They were on a high. They said, we will follow our God. And two pages later, they weren't anymore. And that's what we see in the entire Bible is a succession of rising and falling. People who are on fire for God and people who forgot what they were there to do. And then they rise up again because God sends a judge or a king to remind them and say, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And they're like, oh, you're right, I forgot. And, and so they, they take an oath and they swear that they're going to do better. And then two weeks later or two pages later, they're no longer following what they said they were going to do. And God, in his mercy, like we sang about in that song, that was great, by the way. He, merciful God says, I see that. I forgive. I'm going to give you another shot. And he sends a prophet or a judge or a king again to say, do right. And they're like, yeah, do right. And so the whole Old Testament is that story. If you haven't read it, maybe do that this week. The whole Old Testament, that's your assignment. You're going to be a busy person. You probably need to take the week off. Rising and falling. And then when we get to the New Testament, we see that God says to himself, I need to do something to save these people. And he sends a hero. He sends a real life, tangible person, a, a flesh, something that would bleed if it was cut, right? He sends Jesus. Hallelujah. In a manger in Bethlehem. You say, I thought it was Easter. What are you talking about Christmas for? I I'm going to get there. He sends Jesus, his only son, to be born of, of flesh and be born in a manger because he wants to be your hero. He, he wants to be your salvation. He wants to save you and do for you what you cannot do 
for yourself. And so we see that story unfold in the book of Matthew and, and we see Jesus grow into a man and he's teaching in the synagogues and he's teaching people at wells and he's healing people alongside roads. And we come to this Easter story. We come to this place where we, we have to take a look at the, the crucifixion of Christ and what he did for us there to be our ultimate hero. And so as you join me in Matthew chapter 27, and this is a beautiful story. And what I did to go back and kind of prepare for this morning was I looked at each gospel again, probably for the umpteenth time to see what's there for me. Have you ever done that? Have you ever read through something and you know you've read it before, but you read it again and you're like, wow, there's something I haven't seen before. And so I want you to, to look at Matthew chapter 27. This is, this is a beautiful thing right here, starting in verse 62. The next day it says, guards are posted at the tomb. Jesus has been crucified and he's been placed in the tomb. And it says the, the next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate and they said, sir, we remember that while he was still alive, he said that after three days he would rise again. So would you give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day? Otherwise, the disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he had been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first, they said. Now listen, verse 65, this is what Pilate said. Take a guard, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. Let me repeat that. This is important. He said, go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. How? So they went and they made the, the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting a guard. So the story of Jesus' crucifixion and then being placed in the tomb, the tomb of, of Joseph of Arimathea, and here he is in the tomb. He's dead. You get that, right? He was flesh and blood. He, he bled and he died. He was dead. He was in the tomb. It wasn't made up. It was, he wasn't asleep. It wasn't that he might be dead. He was deader than five o'clock. You get what I'm saying? And here are the Roman soldiers and the Pharisees, all these people talking about this still, and the Pharisees are scared to death that something's going to happen to Jesus' body because of what he had said while he was alive, that he was going to rise again. And they tell Pilate, we need you to do something. And Pilate tells, and this is what I want you to get right here, he tells Roman soldiers, well-trained soldiers, you go do whatever it is you have to do to make sure that tomb stays sealed. Now, you might be good at your job, right? I don't know what you do, all of you. I don't know where you work or what you do but you're probably the very best at it, right? If you're the very best at what you do, raise your hand. Oh, come on. You know you're the best. This guy's like this. I'm like, come on, I'm the best at what I do, right? These were Roman soldiers. They were the best at what they do. And here's Pilate, and he says, you go seal it up, do whatever. You, you go make sure. And so the, they were scared for their job. As a matter of fact, I believe if you were a Roman soldier, you were probably scared for your life most of the time. If you had to appear before Pilate and he told you to go do something, you're going to do your dead level best to make sure it's right. Would you agree with that? And they went to the tomb. We know that they rolled a very large stone in front of the mouth of the tomb and it said they sealed it. I don't know what they sealed it with. I don't know if they had Gorilla Glue. I don't know if they mixed up some mud. I don't know what they sealed it with, but they sealed the tomb. Have you ever seen that before? They sealed it with something. A little bit of spit. I, I don't know. But they sealed it. They were like, we don't even want there to be cracks around the door of this bad boy. We want it shut tight. And then they posted a guard. You know, they're over there scratching their head. They're like, man, Pilate said we had to do whatever it was that we had to do to make sure he doesn't come out of there. A dead body. But we're going to do it, right? We're going to seal it up. And then, hey! Jimmy, you're going to stay and watch the door. Oh, man. Right? We're going to post a guard right there at the tomb. This is number one on your outline this morning. We need a hero that removes all obstacles. Their very best, the very best of an elite military force could not hold Jesus in the tomb. 
Yeah. The very best they could do. These men were highly trained. The very best job they could do could not hold Jesus in the tomb. We need a hero that removes all obstacles. Let me ask you a question right here. What obstacles do you have in your life that desperately need to be removed? Have you got a stone in the, in the way? Has someone sealed or you have allowed some people to seal up some areas of your life? You desperately need someone to break through that seal? Is there a guard posted in the heart of your life and you think you can't get past? You need a hero this morning. A hero that can remove all obstacles. Quickly, turn with me over to the book of Mark. If you're already in Matthew, just hang a right. And you'll find Mark right there. In Mark chapter 16, I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salomon brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, Pastor Robert was up, I guess I wasn't. They were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other a question. I love it when there's something in parentheses in my Bible. How about you? Brother, when somebody's asking a question in the Bible, that makes me want to ask the same question. And here's the question that they asked. Remember, we've got a group of women and they're going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, which is traditional. They took spices, they're walking, and they asked the question, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Who's going to roll the stone away? We got the spices. We're making our walk. But when we get there, how are we going to move the door? Have you ever seen that before? That's a beautiful question. We should all be asking ourselves a similar question if we've got an obstacle in our life, something that's in our way. We're on our way. We're on the journey. But we know that there are going to be things that we can't do. What? For ourselves. The question that the women were asking is the same question that, that we've all asked before in our lives. And it goes to number two on your outline. We need a hero when we need a stone rolled away. There's going to be an obstacle. There's going to be something in the, in the midst of our path. There's going to be something there that we can't do. Who is going to roll the stone away? And that's when we know we need a hero. We can't roll the stone away. The ladies knew that when they got there, they couldn't get the stone rolled away. But guess what they did? They kept going. They didn't stop and have a conversation about it. They didn't Facebook anybody. They just had a conversation as they were walking, right? And they said, when we get there, how are we going to move the stone? How's it going to roll away? And when they showed up, what was going on? What was going on? The stone was gone. Problem solved. He was there before they got there to take care of the problem. Can I just preach to you for just a second? Can I pastor you for just a second this morning? If you would just keep moving in the direction that God has called you to go, when you get there, the door will be open. Amen. Don't stop. Don't let fear get in the way. Don't let somebody tell you, oh, there's going to be a big stone when you get there. No, brother, we might talk about it on the way, but I'm going to keep going. And when I get there, my God, the one who saved me from my sins, is going to have moved the stone, rolled it out of my way. Don't stop moving. Quickly, over to the book of Luke. Luke, chapter 24. I love this. I love this story. It's number three on your outline this morning. It says, we need to keep our eyes and ears open for a hero. This is the passage in the book of Luke about the two believers who were on the road to Emmaus and Jesus resurrected in his resurrection body showed up. There's so much going on in this story. It's hard to narrow it down to one specific thing, but they were walking along the road headed to a town called Emmaus and a third person showed up to have a conversation with them. It was Jesus and they didn't know it. 
and they're talking about the crucifixion and they're talking about what happened and they're talking about the fact that everybody's saying he's no longer in the tomb, he's resurrected. And they're having the conversation with a risen Jesus and they didn't see it. It wasn't until they got where they were going and Jesus was like, all right, I guess I'll see you guys later. And they're like, no, 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 no. Come on in. We've been walking all this time together. You might as well come in and have dinner with us. Oh, don't miss this. You, you might as well come in and eat with us. How many of you love to eat? Praise God. I'm available. Just let me know when to show up. They said, come on in. You got to come eat with us. And Jesus said, well, I don't mind if I do. And they go in and they sit down at the table and there's the food. And the Bible says in Luke that Jesus broke the bread and gave thanks. Let me read it. It's verse 22. Here we go. Verse 22. It says, But when we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, what is more, on the third day this took place, in addition, oh, I'm, I'm, in, the wrong, I'm in the wrong place. Let me just tell you. He gave thanks for the bread. He gave thanks for the wine and something hit him. Something hit them and they realized at that moment who he was. And they said to themselves, were our hearts not burning inside of us when we were walking on the road? Isn't that amazing? He wanted to sit down with them. It's a relationship thing. That's what I want you to see. He wanted to come into their house and have a meal with them. And when he gave thanks and they realized who he was, they said, were our hearts not burning inside of us? You see, they weren't looking for it to be Jesus. Did you get that? They weren't looking for it to be Jesus on the road. They probably thought, he's dead and gone. But when he broke the bread and they realized it was him, they realized something was going on. I, I knew it. He probably one turned to the other and said, I told you that was him. And he's like, no, I, 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 you told me. No, it was Jesus the whole time. We have to keep our eyes and ears open for a hero. How many times? How many times has Jesus crossed our path one way or another and we didn't know it was him? Right? How many car accidents? Have you been in, uh, avoided because Jesus crossed your path? How many catastrophes in your life, whatever that could have been, were avoided because Jesus crossed your path? We have to keep our eyes and ears open for our hero. And finally, if you'll turn to the, to the book of John. Chapter 20. I want you to see Mary. Jesus has been crucified. He's resurrected. And Mary goes to the tomb to see what is going on. Starting in verse 10, it says, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken the Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. So he speaks. He says, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, don't miss this, it's in parentheses and it's also in red, Mary. Do you get that? Do you get that all he had to say was her name? And instantly she knew what was her response in the very next verse, rabbi, teacher. Oh, it's you, Lord. And that leads us to number four on your outline there. We need a hero that knows our name. Aren't you glad that you have one? We need a hero that knows our name. You see, his desire is to be very personal. His desire is to know us intimately. He knew Mary, and he knew her name, and all it took was for her to hear her name, and she realized who he was. He's a very personal God. He's a very relational God. He doesn't want a superficial relationship with you. He wants to know you by name. Aren't you glad of that this morning? 
I know I am. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, I thank you today. God, for who you are, for who you are in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that as we have taken a quick, just a very, very quick journey through these four gospels, these four accounts of, of the story that, that you've given us to remember you and to remember this Easter. God, I just pray that you would do something supernatural inside of us. Maybe we're not even coming here this morning open to that. Maybe we didn't think about that. But God, I, I, just, I know that you can penetrate and pierce even through the hardest of hearts. And so God, I thank you today. Lord, if there's an obstacle in our way that we think is just something that we cannot overcome, I pray that we would realize that you are our hero today and you can overcome any obstacle. God, I pray that if we're marching towards a, 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 the battle that you've called us to, the mission that you've called us to, and, and we're starting to fear or, or feel anxiety about getting there, God, I pray that we would just continue the walk so that we know, God, that when we arrive, the door will be open. God, I thank you for, for the fact that you can do anything in any of us and that you know us intimately by name. And so we worship you today, God, as we continue by, by watching one of our stories that blends in to your story. Would you watch the screens, please? Our story is his story. Every time we tell our story, we give honor and glory to God. Your story, no matter how spectacular or how ordinary you think it is, is a story about God's character. It is your eyewitness account of how God rescued you from sin and death through Christ and changed your life forever. When we share our story with others, we help them get to know what God is like and what He can do. This is my story. My story. My story. My story. My story. This, this is our story. Two years ago, we were married, um, March 18th, 2017, um, shortly after we both knew that we wanted uh, to have a large family, so we started trying to grow our family. Um, after many months of not conceiving, we started um, the journey with our doctor's appointments. We basically lived in the doctors from the end of 2017 until now currently. Uh, we now go to a fertility doctor in Charlotte. Uh, Dylan was diagnosed with Klinefelter syndrome, which is where he has an extra X chromosome on his reproductive um, chromosomes. We both grew up in church and uh, very strong in our faith with our families. Uh, and we would definitely say that this is our biggest challenge that God has led us to um, and his helping us through it. Um, it actually is what brought us here to Connections. Um, the apartment that we got was a blessing that he put us there and Connections is on our way to work and that's how we started coming here. We saw it on our drive to work and that was the blessing of how he led us here and led us to others who struggle with infertility and have helped us get through that we were always stuck on having our own biological child. Um, we were never open to foster care or adoption, and God has flung doors open for foster care um, here recently for us. Um, so we have actually started that process. But I would definitely say like our hardest point is um, coming together and then finding out about infertility. Um, that has been a huge journey for us. We. It's still not over. Yeah, it's still very much, we have days that, I have a lot of days where I don't feel like getting out of bed, um, and God is my only strength that gets me through it. It's been very tough. Um, <laughs> just knowing that like we struggle, and there were so many days before we came to Connections that I didn't want to continue on with life. Um, it just, it really was a hard, part where I felt like I was useless because I couldn't grow my family. I didn't have it much, much better. Felt about the same, same <laughs> way. I was just extremely, extremely, extremely angry. We've always had that relationship with God, but it never got to like a really low valley where we really had to fully depend on Him. And this has been a journey that 
has led us to fully give over our lives to him because it was laying so heavy on us that we just didn't know where to go at that point. We felt like we were at a crossroads of, do we move forward with adoption? Do we move forward with foster care? Do we um, try to do IVF? Like, we were just, what do we do at this point? The thing that like sticks in my heart that is so special to me is before Joseph and Angie even knew our names, they were praying about our situation and our infertility before they even knew us. In our first connect group, uh, they sat down and whenever I just let my emotions go of what was going on with our situation and everything, they looked at me and they said, God has just spoken through us to tell you to just be still. You're not alone. Like. I know you're hurt and I know it it doesn't feel good but you will get through it and he's there beside you every step of the way and we needed that we needed someone that had been through that journey someone who knew what it was like to feel these emotions and be strong in their faith and tell us how to move forward I actually last Saturday got a text message from Kaylee um, and it gives me chills because she woke up from a dream at 8 o'clock in the morning. She said that it was the most vivid dream that she saw me and Dylan in the kitchen picking a cake and when we woke up the next morning um, it had the name Caden on it and that eventually God was going to bless us with a baby boy named Caden. When I looked up the name of Caden <laughs> It meant fighter, battle, warrior, and to us it was it, yes. undescribable. Yeah. We had already picked out a name for a boy before we knew that we were struggling with infertility, and it's already been changed yep, to Caden that's, now. That's it's, out the door. <laughs> uh, because that's what God has spoken through his people to tell us there's still hope and he's still gonna provide for us and there's gonna be a miracle at the end of this journey and he's gonna use us to uh, witness to other people that he can bring happiness through the hardest times. And I've, uh, I've said for, uh, for a long time, every day that we go by and we do not have a child, and it makes uh, Allison cry when, when, when I do. I do say this, but knowing that every day I go without having a child here, that's another day that God is planning an even bigger miracle for us. It's not something that's easy. Um, it's definitely something that He has used in us to bring us closer to Him. Uh, it's definitely been a battle. Um, I think that that's what's grown our faith to where it is now. We've always had that relationship, but now it's like I fully depend on him and everything. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I would say this definitely has started. It's the beginning chapter of our story. Um, it's where we started out in our marriage. Um, we have a strong marriage. I've been blessed that those couples, they struggle in their marriage when they go through infertility and ours has been the complete opposite. Um, we, we depend on each other in those hard moments um, and it's all thanks to God. He has held us close and he's, he's using this as our story. Wow, what a story, and thank you, Dylan and Allison. Would you show them your appreciation this morning for sharing their hearts? And what I love about it is your story is continuing, just as you said, and each day a new chapter is being written, and it's amazing what happens when we just submit ourselves to God and say, Lord, just as Mary did when God came down through the angel and said, you're going to bear a son, and he's going to be called Jesus, and she prayed this prayer let it be unto me just as you have said. That's the whole key to life. Man, you may be in this place, and, and if you hadn't figured it out yet, you're getting a two-for-one special today. Tell your neighbor, hey, we get a bonus today. We get P. Scott and P. Rob preaching the word to us. If you haven't figured it out today, it's all about flipping the script, and that's exactly what I want to talk to you about for the final few moments here as we've journeyed through this study uh, called Our Story. Sometimes it's kind of interesting where our stories go. 
And, and you may be in a place right now where you are struggling in your story, that, that something needs to happen. And I, I firmly believe that there are two types of people that are listening to me right now, two different categories. The first one is those who have changed their story with God's help already. You, you've, you've come to that place and said, you know what, God, I cannot do this thing called life myself. I've tried, I've taken the wheel, and I've run the car right into the ditch too many times, and it's just not working out. So, Lord, I'm going to take my hands off the wheel, as Carrie Underwood saying years ago, and Jesus, you take the wheel. Amen? And I believe there's a number of you in this room this morning that you've already made that decision. But the second group of people I believe I'm talking to are those who desperately need to flip the script in their stories. Things are not good, and they show no signs of improving on their own. And guess what? They will not improve on their own. If they, if they could, if that were possible, then none of this would be necessary. We would not need to gather today. Jesus would have not need to come. He would have not needed to, to surrender his life on Calvary's cross. And he would have never had to rise again on the third day. But the reality is, is that we can't help ourselves, right? I don't care how many books that people write called self-help books or whatever the case may be, how many good motivational talks you hear, we can't do it ourselves. Amen, I love that. Come on, preach. Our little one's down here helping me out this morning. What, a, what an amazing thing. We can't do it ourselves. We need a Savior. That Savior is Jesus Christ. So I'm talking to those two different groups of people. And, and, and we come to this place of saying, yeah, you're right. Okay, I admit it. I, I acknowledge I need something to change in my life. But the big question is, how exactly do we change our stories? Because I believe that many of you are here today and watching the live stream. I'm going to watch this later on. And, and you feel like you're stuck in a story that's going horribly wrong or just unfulfilled with no meaning. Or maybe maybe your purpose has been lost and you're just drifting or, or, or you're wasting all the incredible potential that God has gifted to you, whatever the case may be. Here's what I want you to know. I don't care what your story is right now. Look at me this morning. I don't care what your story has been up to this moment. Today is your day. Today, I believe with all my heart that God is going to shift some things in and through your life. Today, I believe just as sure as we were praying for that earlier this morning in this room, that God is going to come down and he's going to turn your story around. That script that has been written over your life, maybe by your family when you were born, that, that you just kind of fell into this certain family and, and, and you've had this, this stuff on your family all these years that you guys were no good, you're, you're cheats, you're liars, you're, you're thieves, or whatever the generational curse has been, or, or there's just a, a stroke of laziness over your family, or, or no good, no potential, no talent, no future, all that stuff. I believe that God is going to break that today. And you don't have to live under that. I don't care what's happened by the, the choices you've made personally in your life. Maybe you've messed it up royally, big time. You've dropped the ball. You've, you've sinned. You've fallen short. You've, you've got yourself stuck in this prison. I believe God's going to turn that around today. I really do. If I didn't, I would be out selling cars or something else right now. If I didn't believe this with everything of my being, I would not be in ministry right now. I'd find something else to do. But I'm telling you this morning, Easter 2019, I believe it with every fiber of my being that this is what Easter is all about. This is what life is all about. It's about finding the answer and having Jesus Christ show up and change things dramatically in our stories, in your story. And I believe that's, the, that's what he's here to do today for all of us. And you may be asking, how, how can that be? How can that happen in my life? Sure, I see it happen in other people's lives, but, but what, what's it going to take for me? I'm glad you asked that question. I have some powerful examples for the next few moments I want to share with you of this very miracle happening that as we finish, I just want you to be reminded of that if it's possible for them, it's possible for you. Would you just share that with your neighbor? It's possible for you. Would you tell them that right now? I know some of you hate doing that, but you know what? I don't care. I love it. I love sharing. I love openness. I love talking. I love interacting. Would you, would you try it over here? It's possible for you. Would you just tell somebody? I want you to get it this morning. Now, the first one I want to share with you on your outline there is, is, is about Jesus. Because he sure did. What a, what a plot twist. I mean, if you think about it, death to life. Doesn't get any better than that. I mean, how many of you are golf fans in this room? Okay, about 12 of you. How many of you ever heard the name Tiger Woods? 
We know the guy's made some incredible mistakes in his life, right? He's human. He failed. He blew it. He, he blew his family. He blew, blew all kind of opportunities he had. He, he, he messed himself up with, with decisions he made. He, he got in some, some trouble health-wise. He had numerous back surgeries, knee surgeries. His health went downhill. And everything kind of caved in on the guy who was at the top of the world. Probably the greatest known athlete there was for years and years and years. And guess what? All of it fell apart. To the point that I saw a commercial uh, last week after he won the Masters when, you know, the, the commercial had all of these experts that were being interviewed saying, he's done, it's over. I mean, this was when he had dropped from number one ranked golfer in the world on the planet to number 870-something. I can't even remember what it was. I mean, he had dropped like a hot rock and, and everybody had given up on him and said, there's no way he'll ever come back and be competitive, much less win another professional golf tournament. Amen. Come on, Trey. He's helping me. A big Tiger fan over here. And guess what? He won a tournament at the end of last season, and he came out pretty hot this year, and he won the Masters, probably the elite tournament in professional golf last weekend. Great comeback. Listen, one lesson we could take out of that is the experts don't always know what they're talking about, right? So don't always listen to the experts, because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus was killed and they placed him in that tomb that Pastor Scott talked about a few moments ago. I can hear the experts now being interviewed on Jerusalem today and they're going, well, it's over, no hope, man. This miracle-working son of God who walked the earth for a few years and did all this great stuff and said he would come back, he's not coming back. He's dead, it's over, he's gone, there's no hope. Guess what? That was the storyline in Jerusalem that day. Amen. You're working hard, ain't you, brother? But guess what? The story wasn't finished because on the third day, Jesus surprised everybody and came back. Here's what we know about the Good Friday that happened, the very first one in history. Peter is hiding out. Judas has betrayed him and is hanging himself. Mary's crying her eyes out. Hope is lost. Death seemingly has won. Satan is laughing his head off. Jesus is buried. Soldiers stand guard at the tomb. And a rock is rolled into place and sealed with some spit as pastor scott said and guess what everybody thought it was over but that was friday <laughs> Woo! friday's not the end folks too many times we give up on friday too many times we throw in the towel on friday too many times we say it's hopeless it's over it'll never happen i am not going to move forward i'm not going to keep walking but don't ever give up because jesus proved to us that sunday's always coming if we don't quit and he didn't he exploded from the tomb, I believe. He moved the rock out of the way, and he came back to life for all of us on Sunday. Matthew 28, 6 tells us. Listen to it again. As the women went to the tomb that very first Easter morning to try to anoint his dead body, that an angel was sitting on the tomb, and the stone was rolled away, and the tomb was empty, and he said to them, He is not here he is risen, just as he said. I love this. He invites them inside the tomb and says, come and see. Come and see for yourself. And I invite you to do that right now. Come and see for yourself that Jesus came back, that Jesus defeated death, that Jesus overcame everything hell threw at him just for you and me. Jesus. He flipped the script. <laughs> I love that. He couldn't stay in the grave or we would not have a chance for salvation and fullness of life. His victory, write this down on your outline, his victory is my victory. Would you write that down? His story is my story. When all of hell thought they had won, Jesus snatched victory right out of their hands. He flipped the script. Secondly, the disciples needed a rewrite. They needed new purpose. They needed new hope. And John 21, 3 tells us that they had given up and gone back to their old way of living. They said, we're going to go back fishing again. Now, how many of you have faced some tough times after committing your life to Christ? How many of you have discovered that, you know what, once you say yes to Jesus and follow him as a disciple, life doesn't just get super easy and the road is just smooth as can be for you and everything's just zippity-doo-dah. You're going to face some adversity, right? You're going to have some challenges come at you. Why? Because hell does not want you to live for Jesus Christ. So he's going to throw everything it can at you to stop you from doing it, to change your mind. These, these disciples, these men who had been with him for years, 
watched the miracles, loved him, were expecting him to set up the kingdom right here and now and be the ruler, be the king, and them rule with him. It didn't happen that way. So guess what they did? They decided this. You know what? It almost have been a waste of time. It's not happening in the way that we have scripted it out, that we had pictured in our minds that we, we would love for it to take place, and it didn't go that way. So you know what we're going to do? We didn't sell our boats. We didn't get rid of our nets. We're just going to go back to fishing. We're going to go back to collecting taxes. We're going to go back to, to being a doctor. We're going to go back to the old way of life. You ever noticed how it's very tempting when things don't go the way we planned them in our minds to go back to the old ways? I'm going to tell you what, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt's captivity with Moses' leadership, they got out in the wilderness, they got in the desert, and they got a little hungry, got a little thirsty. You know, we're driven by, by our physical needs too often. And instead of seeing that God was taking them out of slavery and going to put them in the promised land and them be free people, look at me. That's what all this is all about, us being free in Jesus Christ. Well, they got a little hungry and thirsty. Then we begin to complain and say, Moses, if you brought us out here to die, why are you doing this to us? Why, God, why would it be? This is what they dared to say. It'd be better for us if we were back in Egypt. You know why we say that as well too often? Because we forget how bad it really was too quickly. And when we forget that, look what we start doing, complaining, griping, backbiting, backsliding. I just want to go back. I just want it to be like it used to be. I want to go back to the old ways. I'm telling you something, folks. Going back to the old way is never, ever, 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 ever worth it. Did, did you get that today? Did I use enough evers, enough nevers, never, ever, ever, ever worth it? It's never, ever worth it. Don't forget how bad it was there. It's funny, we're interesting creatures that we forget too quickly how bad it was before Christ saved us from our miserable selves. Listen, folks, Friday's crucifixion is not the end. It wasn't for those disciples, and it's not for us. We have resurrection life. Jesus chased down his disciples. Look at me. He went after them when he came back to life. He showed them his hands. He showed them the scars. He said, guys, don't quit on me now. And I'm telling every Christ follower in this room and that's listening to my voice this morning, don't quit on him now. Don't give up. Don't go back. Let him come and prove to you who he is and what he came to do and what he wants to do in and through your life today. I'm going to tell you somebody else who needed their script flipped. It's a tongue twister if you're not too careful. There was a guy by the name of Peter, one of his original disciples. Because if you don't remember it, he didn't just desert Jesus. He what? He denied even knowing him. When the little girl accused him on the street corner of being one of his followers, he said, no, 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 it's not me. To the point that he even cursed and said, no, it's not me. Beep, beep, beep. Today they have to beep him out on certain stations on TV. You talk about failure. Stop for a minute. Think about that. This is the same guy who stood up and said, Jesus, I'll never depart from you. I will be by your side. I mean, he just said that like a couple days before this happens. He was so confident that he would never betray him, never, never deny him, never walk away from him, that he made that bold, rash statement. And Jesus looked at him and said, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. No. Come on, man. You know me. I'm Peter. I'm the rock. I wouldn't do that to you. And what did he do? Denied him. How many of you are like me and you know what guilt's all about? You've lived with it too many times. Peter was one of those disciples that figured his mistakes were too great. His sins were too big. He, he made those bold statements. You ever notice how it's just kind of just rolls through your mind. It's like replay just over and over again. Those, those events like that, those mistakes, those sins, those, those terrible choices, they just kind of repeat, 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 repeat. What I love about Peter's story, and I probably use it every Easter just because I'm so drawn to it, is that Jesus said, tell my disciples and Peter, 
See, Peter had given up. Peter thought it was over. Peter thought his script was written. His die was cast. It was all done and over and there was no hope. But the funny thing about it is, is Jesus is all about hope. Jesus is the one that will run to us and say, I am not giving up on you. Don't give up on me. And he went and found Peter on the seashore. And I'm sure when Peter saw Jesus coming, he probably hung his head and thought, wow. Here he comes. Is there somewhere I can hide? I, I, gotta, I can't face him. But what I love about Jesus is he won't let us hide. He'll just come and find us. Because he relentlessly pursues us with everything he has. And when he finds us, he just puts his hand on our face and says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I I love you, Lord. I mean, in his ridicule, and his guilt, I mean, he wouldn't even probably make eye contact. And then Jesus again, Peter, do you love me? Peter's feeling like, wait, I'm getting a little irritated. I don't know what, I'm just, it's all exploding. I don't know what to say. Yes, Lord, I love you. And then he looks at him again and says, Peter, do you love me? I mean, something broke inside of Peter, and I believe he just wept. I believe tears were flowing. His heart was broken. His his spirit was just beginning to be revived, and and it was just a little seed of of, of joy and hope springing to life. And he said, yes, Lord. I imagine he probably thought to him and said, you don't even know how much I love you now. Because Jesus said to him, go and feed my sheep. And what he's saying to him is this, I haven't quit on you, Peter. I will never quit on you. The commission and the mission and the ministry and the anointing I put on your life way back when is still valid. I haven't changed my mind. I love you with an everlasting love. You are forgiven. Man, what a a statement. Forgiven. And what happens is the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. And that's what the enemy loves to heap on us when we sin, when we fail, when we blown it big time. Jesus takes all that away. And she says you are forgiven and you are free. You are a new creation in me. Peter. John. Bill. Elizabeth, Jamie, Caleb, Allison, you're new, you're free, you're forgiven. You talk about flipping the script, (laughs) boy, that's it. I mean, that's incredibly powerful, and, and he found Peter, and here's what I believe the Lord put on my heart for you today. He's finding you today. Relentlessly pursuing you, finding you where you're at. In all your stuff, look at me, church. And he's telling you the same thing. I love you forever. What about, what about somebody else who needed some help? And that was Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mom's in this room. Mom's listening to me right now. You know how you feel about your baby and your babies. I mean, that mother's love, she can be the most gentle, loving, grace-filled, humble creature on the face of this earth. But you do something to her baby. I mean, it's like, where, where did that come from? Now, 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 go with me here just for a moment. Just, just imagine you're having to watch helplessly as they take your son, who is innocent as innocent can be, never sinned ever. How many of you can stand up and say that in this room? And they arrest him, beat him, torture him. And kill him right before your eyes. Everyone listening to me has suffered some terrible loss in your life. I understand that. And I am right there with you. And the sting and the pain, it never goes away. 
So I, I really believe in my heart we can relate somewhat with Mary with what she went through. And I believe as, as Pastor Scott was leading us to the tomb with the, the ladies that morning that they went and the best you can do, you're just trying to move on in life as hard as it is. Here's what Mary needed. She needed healing. She needed some hope. And I believe that many of us need that exact healing and hope. She had been shattered. I mean, things were never going to be the same, or, or so she thought. Words can't even describe this kind of loss that she had for two days, helpless and hopeless. But thankfully, on the third day, she realized at the tomb that morning, hope came alive now, I, I said a moment ago, I believe many of us in this room also need that same kind of hope. We've all suffered a lot of great loss in our lives. We can relate to her. But I want to tell you on this beautiful Easter Sunday morning that the same Jesus who greeted his mom that first Easter morning and healed her hurt will do the very same thing for every single one of us today. Here's what we have to do. Give him our hurt. Let it go, give it, hand it over, surrender it, just take, take it out of your hands and let the great physician come and minister his healing to you. Lastly today, I would venture to say that every one of us in this room in some manner, would you just track with me for a moment more? Look at me. Every single one of us, in some way, shape, or form, need to have our scripts flipped. Because the way the story's going is maybe not exactly like Jesus wants it to go. Maybe, maybe there needs to be a tweak. Maybe there needs to be a radical overhaul. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you need to come in and just tear the house down, rebuild the new, new one. And I, I don't know, but here's what I do know. We could all use that in our lives, no matter how bad or how good we think we are, Right? Because I'm going to tell you something, we think we're good, we're already in trouble. We need some big time help right there because our, our, our best is not, not even nearly good enough of what Christ can do. So here's what I want to challenge you with here for the next couple of seconds here. For the lost, you need to be found. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in this room, you are lost, hopelessly lost, until you come to the realization that you need Jesus to come and rescue you from your sins and save you. I mean, save every part of you, every bit of you from the inside out. Come and transform you radically by the power of his resurrected spirit. You need to be saved. If you're lost, if you're hopeless, living in despair, about to throw in the towel, hear me right now, you need hope. You need the hope of Jesus being alive I'm going to tell you, there's nothing this world has to offer that compares to hope in Christ. Nothing at all. So if you're hopeless, he's here today to resurrect hope in your life. If you're hurting, look at me. You need healing. I'm talking about radical healing to come and just change your life. Change your heart. Change those hurts into healing scars that show that once there was a hurt, but now there is a healing that's taken place. There is a healing that has taken place, and now you are living whole in Christ Jesus. No more living in that pain and that agony of hurt. Because you know the old adage, hurt people hurt people, is right on the money. So guess what? Hand your hurt over to the healer. If you're drifting, look at me right now. You need purpose. You need to know why you were put on this planet in the first place, and that is to know Christ and to make him known, to live in the fullness of life that only he can bring. So if you're drifting, find your purpose in Jesus. And I'm going to challenge, I'm going to get a little in your business right now. For you, for you casual Christians, guess what? You need to be set on fire. 
And we ain't pulling out lighters and stuff. Don't get a little nervous. We're not that kind of church. But you need to fire the Holy Spirit because I'm going to tell you something. We're going to talk about next week when the the script was flipped for these disciples. Man, they went out and turned the world upside down. The fire was lit. The Spirit came down. And they went out and preached to the world around them and radically changed their environment and their surroundings. We're living in the last days. We are living in the last days. We are living in the last days. The last days are upon us. Everything in this book, at the end of it, is being played out right in front of our eyes. And if we don't wake up as God's people, then guess what? We are going to miss the assignment that God has placed on our lives for right here, right now, in our time, church. Our story is his story. His story is the story of redemption, of healing, of wholeness, of hope, of joy, of love of eternity with God. Whatever's happened in our lives, as you close your eyes for just a moment, whatever's happened up to this point, the good news is Jesus came. He lived. He died. He rose again. And I'm going to tell you something. He did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people alive. That's our story. Is it your story today? As we finish this time together on this beautiful Easter Sunday, with every eye closed across this room, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, what I want you to know as I finish this moment with us is that you are here for a reason, that God had you here today for a purpose. And that reason and purpose is to change your life in some way, shape, or form. We didn't get dressed up just to come for a photo op to look good as a family or, or by ourselves or, or just see what everybody else is looking like, or, like or, or just rub shoulders with a few people. No, we're here to meet with a risen Savior and have our lives radically changed. So if you're in this room right now with every eye closed for just another moment, and you would say, you know what, Pastor? God's been dealing with me all week, maybe for a month, maybe for a year, maybe for a day, maybe for an hour, but God's dealing with you right now, and he's telling you it's time to flip the script in your life. Whatever has been is going to be put to death, and new life is going to come. Maybe you need to surrender your life. Maybe you're lost and you need to be found. You need to run to Jesus and, and, and fall in love with him and surrender everything to him. Maybe you're drifting and just hadn't had purpose. Maybe your, 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 your fires went out and you need reviving. I, I don't know. Maybe your hope's been lost. Maybe your hurt has overtaken you and, and you need the healer to come and touch you. I don't know what it is, but I know this this morning. If you're in this room, if you're listening to me right now, would you just grab a hold of what God is, is handing you in this moment, in this room, if you would just say to me right now, Pastor, pray for me. I, I know God's dealing with my heart and my life. I, I know some change needs to come. I need to surrender to whatever it is he's asking of me today. Would you just raise your hand and say, pray for me this morning. Yes, 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 yes. How many others? Just Just raise your hands up high and say, Pastor, don't forget about me. This Easter Sunday, 2019, is a day that I will never forget because it's the day that Jesus showed up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Would you just come and join me as you you raise your hands? Maybe you don't even raise your hand. Maybe you just get up and come and stand with me in the front of this church. Would you make that move right now? Come on, if you want somebody to walk with you, just nudge them. Have them come with with me up to the front. I want to pray with Pastor Robert and Pastor Scott. Come on right now, thank you. Come on, come on, thank you. Let's go, come on. Today is your day. Let's, let's go. Thank you. Thank you. Make your move now. Pastor Scott's going to come. We're going to pray for you and with you. Would you come now and join us? And maybe you're in here and saying, you know what? I've just been drifting. I, I just feel like my, I, I don't even know what my purpose is. But today that's going to change. I, I'm going to see God show up and direct me. Give me the, the reason why. Let me know that. Show that to me. Whatever you're need is today. Would you just make your way down? Thank you to these folks who are already coming. Some of you want to come and stand with these precious friends and family members. Would you just make your way down now as we we rally around these folks? And if you need prayer, come on. Today's your day. This is your moment. This is your time. Don't, Don't let it slip by. Thank you. Thank you. Would you just come now and again rally around these folks here and come and 
do business with God, whatever he's calling you to, whatever he has for you, this is what I do know. That if we surrender, if we fully surrender, he works miracles. And we're seeing that right now as these folks come and surrender. Give themselves fully and completely to all that God has. Would you stand across this room? And again, if you need to join these wonderful folks up here, if you need to do some business with God in your own heart, in your own life, maybe there's some Christians in here. You say, you know what? I need the fire of the Lord to come and light me up in these last days, in these last moments that we have on this earth before God comes back for us and splits that eastern sky. I need to be set ablaze with God's spirit and fire. Would you pray with me now for these that are gathered here and maybe those who raised their hand but didn't come up here and God's doing something in their lives. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for Easter, the most precious gift, the gift of life. We say that as, as, as we encourage people to, to donate blood or donate organs, God, but this is true life. This is real life. This is power. This is purpose. This is the promises of God lived out in us and through us. And so, God, we surrender ourselves completely to you. I pray that that's every one of our prayer this Easter 2019, that, Lord, from this moment on, whether we walked down the aisle and came to the front of this church or not, hearing this today has caused the Spirit of God to just bring revival in us and speak to us and challenge us and correct us and change us and, and do amazing things in us, God. Miraculous things, Lord, more than we could ever ask or even think or imagine, God. Thank you for your power, your resurrection power coming to life in us. Bringing us back to life from the deadness of our sins and our trespasses against you. God, forgive us as a people. God, forgive us as individuals. Forgive us as families. God, forgive us, Lord, of all of our sins and cleanse us, God. Make us righteous and holy as you are. God, I thank you for moms and dads and families today that you're doing a work of the miraculous in and through today God by your power Lord changes is being made I thank you for those who are standing in for their families God who are not giving up for the salvation of their their spouses their loved ones their children God whatever it may be for those who need hope God that you're bringing hope and healing God you're bringing healing to them this morning Lord we honor you we thank you and God before we leave this place today we want to lift up an anthem of praise. We want to celebrate you, God. We want to sing out with all of our hearts, Lord. We want to declare it today as one body and one family in Jesus' name. Church, worship the King of Kings today. He is worthy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's message. For more information about Connections Church, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.